Hey friends, it's Corey Andrew Powell here, letting you know it's time to treat yourself with an exclusive Motivational Mondays deal at the NSLS shop. Listeners get 20% off shop-wide with the code MONDAYS. That's M-O-N-D-A-Y-S. Need a new coffee tumbler? Or perhaps you want to keep it classy with a new hardcover notebook? Well, get them on sale. Listen, with this deal, I'm tempted to trade in my bow tie collection for one of those cute NSLS hoodies. And don't forget, use code MONDAYS at checkout. That's M-O-N-D-A-Y-S. Enjoy that 20% off at shop.nsls.org. And stay motivated, leaders. Stay motivated. Hello, everyone. I am Corey Andrew Powell, and I am joined today by Tommy Spaulding. He is the author of The Gift of Influence, Creating Life-Changing and Lasting Impact in Your Everyday Interactions. Now, he's also the founder of the Tommy Spaulding Leadership Institute in Denver, Colorado, and he's a New York Times bestselling author of two previous books, It's Not Just Who You Know and The Heart-Led Leader. So, Tommy, welcome to Motivational Mondays. Hey, Corey, and happy Monday to everybody. Yes, happy Monday to everyone, which is not always the easiest day of the week to <laughs> to kick off things with. But when I look at a lot of the work you do, which is great, I realize that you do a lot of speaking, I believe over like a hundred different organizations you'll visit throughout the year doing these talks. So first of all, we really appreciate that you could like find the time to even be here because I mean, that's a lot of so, but to talk about your first book here that we're, well, not your first book, your current book, which is The Gift of Influence, Creating Life-Changing and Lasting Impact in Your Everyday Interactions. Please yeah. share a little bit about what inspired you to write that book and and what do you hope readers gain from it? Yeah. Well, if you look up the word influence in the dictionary today, it'll break your heart. It's all about social media. It's all about how many likes you have, how many tequila bottles or pocketbooks you're selling on the internet. It's about how much power you have with social media. And I just don't subscribe to that. I think being a great influencer is being the business of changing people's lives and having a positive impact on people, whether you're a teacher or coach or a leader or a doctor or whatever you do for a living. But every morning we have an opportunity to wake up and serve people and bless people and change people's lives and pour into people and to become an influencer in people's lives. And The Gift of Influence is a book that I wrote to really inspire the world, to look at the world influence differently and to challenge themselves to be a gift and give that gift to others every day and, and receive that gift of influence every day. Yeah. That's such a relevant topic too, because I read a story recently about, uh, and this is not to get into politics, but I read a story recently about a man who left school teaching and he went to go work at Walmart or Target, one of those stores, because he was getting paid more. Like his paycheck going to work, you know, full time at, at, at a store like Target or Walmart actually paid him more than being a teacher. And so it did make me realize that as a society, I think we are we are definitely sort of like putting an emphasis on, I don't want to say the wrong things, but maybe not putting enough emphasis on things that also should be gaining attention or should get our respect. Teaching would be one of them, I would say, wouldn't you? Yeah. Oh, yeah. My parents were school teachers. And and you actually asked the question, which, what would inspire you to write this book? And and then it's interesting, the follow-up question was about this teacher. And, and that's what really actually inspired me to write the book, is I heard this story uh, years ago, a true story. In the early 1960s, there was a school teacher. Her name is Mrs. Lynn. And her job was to teach eighth-grade algebra to eighth graders in a little town outside Lincoln, Nebraska. And 36 students are about to walk in her class. And it's a Friday afternoon, the last period of the day. 
And it was the last period before spring break was about to happen. And so she knew right away when those kids walked in the room, bouncing off the walls, the windows open, the sun's coming out 50 minutes away from spring break that she wasn't teaching math that day. And so she asked all the students to take out a piece of paper. She said, you know what? We're not going to teach math today. We're going to do something different. And she wrote down on the chalkboard, all 36 first and last names of all the students in the class. She said, boys and girls, what we're going to do today is I want you to take a piece of paper. I want you to write down all the first and last names of all 36 of your classmates. And I want you to spend the next 50 minutes thinking about one kind word, one beautiful word about each and every one of your students. And so they did. They wrote to the students and then 50 minutes woke up. She clacks a piece of paper, bell goes, spring break happens. And here's what she did during spring break. She got 36 blank pieces of paper and she wrote everyone's first name on each piece of paper. And then she transcribed all 36 words. So Corey, you got 36 beautiful words about you. Linda got 36 words about her. Mark got 36 words about him. And she spent all week filling this out. And then following week, spring breaks over. Kids go back to class on Monday morning and she hands out these pieces of paper. Mm. Now, Jill and I just graduated eighth grader. Eighth grade's a tough year. Kids are trying to figure out who they are. And for 10 minutes, she got to marvel watching 36 of her eighth grade kids read 36 beautiful words about them. Mrs. Lynn said later that some kids were wiping back tears. Some kids were blushing, um, laughing and smiling and just crying. Like it was the most beautiful exercise. Oh my gosh. After 10 minutes were up, she never talked about that piece of paper ever again. Fast forward now, Corey, six years later, Mrs. Lynn gets a phone call from the local high school teacher down the street, a phone call that no teacher, no parent ever wants to get that one of her former students, six years later, it's now the mid to late 1960s. And one of her former students, Mark was killed in Vietnam at the war in Vietnam war. And he was the first fallen soldier from this little town outside Lincoln, Nebraska to be killed in combat. And he wasn't just any kid. But Mark was the captain of the football team and a quarterback and a leader. And he was drafted, was killed. And so they had this huge church um, service and uh, military service to bury him. She went to this first funeral service. And as she was walking out, the other teachers in the parking lot were getting together, talking and basically said, let's go to Mark's house and continue honoring his life. And the family invited them. So Mrs. Lynn's now at Mark's house and she's in the kitchen eating sponge cake, just watching people you know, celebrate Mark's life. And Mark's father walks up to her and says, are you Mrs. Lynn, my son's eighth grade math teacher? And she said, yeah. She goes, there's something I want to, I want to give to you. Can you follow me? And so Mrs. Lynn follows Mark's dad down the hallway, last room to the left. She walks in and within minutes, she's, she, she realizes that she's inside Mark's childhood bedroom. Mm. She sees the duvet of the you know, Nebraska Cornhusters on the bed, trophies of hot football, pictures of famous football quarterbacks. And she's in Mark's childhood room. She gets goose pimples. And she sees from the corner of her eyes something that just puts shivers in her spine. She sees this infantry war helmet, camouflage, infantry war helmet. It was almost like Mark's father knew what she was thinking. So he walks over to the bed, picks up the war helmet and hands it to her. And said, this is what I wanted to give to you. And Mrs. Lynn didn't understand why. She was Mark's eighth grade math teacher. Why are you giving me this kid's infantry helmet? And Mark's father said, turn it upside down. And so she took the helmet, turned it upside down. And tucked under 
those rubber bands that hold that helmet to the soldier's head, was a six-year-old yellow, scotch-taped, stained piece of paper. And she opened up that piece of paper and her hand rings at the top that said Mark with 36 beautiful words about him. Mark's father said, you had a huge influence on my son's life. My son carried this piece of paper with him all the time. He loved this piece of paper, often read it. And when my son was found killed last week in Vietnam, it was found tucked under his helmet. You had a huge influence on my son's life. Corey, when I first heard that story years ago, it just hit me. Just mm. Very powerful. I want to be like Mrs. Lynn. I want to have the influence on the lives of others like Mrs. Lynn had on Mark. And every day we have an opportunity as humans to influence the lives of others. And that's what really inspired me to write, write the book, The Gift of Influence, because it's a gift. And whether you're an eighth grade math teacher, whatever you do for a living, every morning we have an opportunity to serve other people and make a difference in people's lives. Mm, that's absolutely incredible. I mean, the whole time you're telling a story, I'm envisioning it. I was feeling it and seeing it and, and relating to it because at first when I was researching about you and I saw how you discuss this thing where you say start an influencer streak, I was curious, like, what does he mean by start an influencer streak? Because I thought immediately, I thought social media, as you just mentioned, I was like, I thought you meant like, okay, go on Instagram and like, you know, and so the takeaway though, is just even on an individual level, making a difference in someone's life. And um, teachers are very often, as we know, the first sort of like line of combat with that, no, no pun intended, but they, they are, right? I mean, after we leave the home, our teachers are the first person that we are really getting that outside influence from. And mine had a profound impact on me. So, um, you know, so hats off to your parents for being yeah. teachers. Yeah. But, but Corey, influence is not just positive. Mrs. Lynn had a positive influence mm. on Mark. I had a positive influence. You know, Mrs. Singer, my, 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 um, his ninth grade marketing teacher. But I also had a typing teacher in 10th grade, Mrs. Dizzini, who knew I was dyslexic, knew I struggled in high school, knew my academics weren't great, and literally told me that I was stupid and I would never go to college and no one would ever accept me. I'll never forget those words, such a negative influence. So every morning we have an opportunity to have a positive or negative influence. And the original title of the book was 80,000. And the reason why is there was some research done years ago that the average human being influences 80,000 people in our lives. And when I first heard this research, I was like, wow, that's a lot of people. Mm. How'd you come up that number? Well, 80,000 people, they think is the average uh, that we influence in our lifetime. You divide that by 78 years, which is the average life expectancy of a human being on this planet. Divided by, by 365 days of a year, you get... 2.8 people a day. So every day, since the day we're born and the day we die, the 78 years on this planet or more, we influence 2.8 new people a day. Hmm. Reset Starbucks, the Uber driver, the bank teller, the new employee, the neighbor, someone at church you met, whatever your life, every day, the average person meets 2.8 people a day. You take 2.8 people a day times 365 days, times 78 years, you get 80,000 people. That number, again, <clears throat> just hit me. Staggering. A lot yeah. of people. Mm -hmm. And so I said to myself, I've been thinking about this, like, what if at the end of our lives, 
we got to meet all 80,000 people. Like all the people that we met and influenced positively or negatively. At the end of our life, we got to meet them. Wow, how, how cool would that be? Like, would we mm. lead differently? Would we love differently? Would we, would we serve people differently? If we know that every human interaction we ever have, we meet them again. And where would they fit? They fit in a football stadium, right? 80,000 people. There turns out there's 37 stadiums in the United States of America with exactly 80,000 seats. So you pick your stadium right before you're going to die, right before you're going to go to heaven or wherever you go. You walk on the 50-yard line and there's 80,000 fans in the stadium and all 2.8 people, everyone you've met your entire life. And here's the question, Corey. Here's the Monday motivational question. What's the sound of your stadium? <laughs> exactly. That's people what people like. Yeah. Corey, 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 standing like like crying and clapping and just thanking you for, for, the, for, the, for the difference you made in their life. The, the little things you did, the big things you did, but you invested in them. Or is the stadium booing you because you're <laughs> your whole life screwing people over and putting yourself first, selfish. Or worse, did you spend your whole life on this phone and the whole stadium is silent? Not a negative or positive. It's just indifferent because you're down here in social media all the time, not looking up and seeing who's in front of you that you can bless, you can serve, you can give. You can lead, you can love, you can inspire, you can influence, you can impact. Like every day, 2.8 people are going to come in your life. And it's our legacy. It's our gift to make an impact on them. Mm, absolutely. And, you know, I, I read some of your other comments on this. Things like when you're interacting with people, you know, just going that little extra mile because you don't know what influence you could have on them. And one of the things was like, you know, maybe you'll tip someone a little bit more today uh, for their, if it's a service worker, or maybe you will hold the door open for someone who was struggling with their packages or, and those things may seem menial, but they are so impactful to renew our faith in people and humanity. I think, right. They're bigger than just acts. Yeah. Just two weeks ago. And this is not even a book. This has happened two weeks ago. My wife and I, took our youngest who's 14 years old to, to prep school, to boarding school. And I grew up school, you know, a son of a school teacher. I mean, we, we didn't have money. We never went to prep schools. I went to public schools, but my kids got a real gift with hockey and he got accepted to the number one hockey prep school in the country, Shattuck St. Mary's in Minnesota. So that's where we, we took him. We dropped him off 14 year old kid. When we dropped Anthony off at West Point when he was 18, we, we had no problem. I mean, he was 18, ready to go, serve, you know, serve, serve our country at West Point. But dropping off Tate at 14 was, was hard. I'm an emotional guy. I didn't want to cry because I knew I, he would cry. And it, right when we said goodbye, and it was, it was so hard to say goodbye to him. I wanted to be strong for her, him, for Jill. So we dropped him off just two weeks ago. And I drove up to Minneapolis to the airport and uh, to, to fly home. We live in Denver and we get to the airport. We found a little lunch place. We got some lunch. My wife got a glass of wine. We had a little dinner. We're just kind of quiet. It's kind of really sad. And I paid the bill. I said, Jill, I'm going to meet you at the gate. And she said, no problem. Let's finish my wine up. Went to walk over to the gate. And as I walked to the gate, I passed this, this um, coffee shop. It's called Caribou Coffee. It's like the Starbucks of Minneapolis. In this Caribou Coffee Shop, there was a young woman at a table. And she was bawling. I mean, Corey, not just like this bawling, like hyper, like crying. And she's writing this letter while she's crying. And I just walked right by her. 
And I got to my gate. As soon as I got to my gate, I just felt something in my heart, Corey, that I needed to turn around. I just needed to. So I turned around and I walked right up to her. I didn't ask her permission. If I could talk to her, I didn't say, excuse me, can I get a chair? I just grabbed the chair and sat right down at that table. And I said, rough day. And she just cried. I'm from England. I got a boyfriend in Minneapolis. We tried this long distance thing. It's just not working. I'm writing him a letter. It's over. And I love him. And I said to her, you know, we just dropped my son off. And I had been holding in too. I didn't want to cry for her, my wife, and my son. And so I'm in pain too. So I went over to her, her bench and I just hugged her. And I'm crying and she's crying. The funny thing is my wife walks by. Sees my husband, <laughs> she's waving. There's my husband. Changed lives. Oh, man. I never got this young lady's name or phone number or contact information. But Corey, she will be my stadium. She will be in my stadium when I die one day. She'll be screaming and say, you were the guy that didn't just walk by. That came and gave me a hug during a hard time. Because you've all been there. But how many times do we walk on by? We all do it. And the worst thing we can say to someone when someone's in pain and we meet someone that's going through a tough time. Hey, Corey, if there's anything, I'm so sorry what's going on in your life. If there's anything I can do, let me know. And I just think that's total bullshit. Total, it's such a cop out. If there's anything I can do, let me know. Then what you really are saying to that person is, I want you to think that I care. I probably care, but I really don't want to do anything. So I'm just going to tell you, if there's anything I can do, let me know. Because I know damn well you're not going to call me up and say, hey, there is something you can do. So next time someone says, man, my kid's going through depression, going through a tough time. Hey, my kid went through depression too. I got a great book. I'm going to mail it to you. What's your address? Like never say to anyone, if there's anything I can do, let me know. It's such a cop out. True influencers, true leaders, when they find someone going through pain, they run towards it and they say, how can I help? Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to come to your house at three thirty. We're going to drop over a meal. Here's, here's what we're going to do for you. You know, I, I just look at influence in such a different way. Now I've been really studying it, that we are called every day to influence the lives of others. And the biggest gift is to give that to others. And then it's also the biggest gift to receive who I am today as a husband, as a father, as a leader are the men and women that influenced me and poured into me. And I'll be in their stadiums one day. Anyway, it's such an amazing topic. Listen, man, I have never almost cried on Motivation on Monday. <laughs> um, like, you just blew my mind with that. And um, I was tearing up while you were telling that story. And um, it is incredible because I've seen people in moments of bereavement who are strangers if you really are connected, if you really believe in interconnectivity with humans, it is instinctive. You want to just go up to them. And, and I think very often we don't, though, because we're cautious. But I love the fact that you're saying, throw away some of that caution and just show up. Be a human, right? If they say, get away from me, then you've done, you know, it's more about you've done your thing, right? And, they, and that's their right to say, I'm okay, please leave me alone. But we don't interact enough. We don't do what you did enough. And it made me realize that's important. And you said in the beginning of your show that you don't talk about politics and I don't talk about politics or religion or anything like that. It's just everything's personal. But I'll tell you what, this country, the United States of America that we live in, 
we are starving for people to love all people. And that's what true influencers do. They love people that have different color skin than them, different religions, different political beliefs, different sexual orientations, different neighborhoods, different jobs. We are called to love and serve all people. And that's the only thing that's going to bring this country back uh, to be united is to wake up every day and serve all people and want nothing in return. As we head towards the end of our time here together, share a little bit about the importance of following your own instincts, and following your gut to make a decision. Yeah. Yeah. You know, for years we led with our heads. I mean, we were strategic. We, we actually told people to, to, when they go to work, bring, bring your, bring your heads to work and leave your hearts home. Mm. And we actually been brainwashing people for 20, 20 years, bring your heads to work, leave your hearts home. Your head is for work. Your heart is for your, your loved ones. And the ones that connect the head and the heart and really leave with this place of love, they're the ones that really are successful at, at, at work. And when you leave from the place of, of love, you really can connect your, your heart, your gut, you know, if your gut's telling you something, like when I walked by that woman, you know, crying at the Minneapolis airport, I knew the second I walked by her, I actually knew right when I walked by her that I, I need to turn around. You know, you can't just walk by. And it took me all the way to the gate to get enough courage to say, you little shit, you know, you got to turn around, you know, you got to work, you got to turn around. And I followed my gut, right? And it changed me and it changed her. And so when you fought, when you got a gut feeling about, you know, I'm gonna, I got to do something to help this person. I got a gut feeling that person's going through something. I need to, I need to, I need to check out, follow it, right? Because God gives you this gut as your radar of who I'm going to influence every day. You know? Mm, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Corey, you, you can interview me anytime you want. You're a good man. <laughs> Thank you, sir. And so are you. This is really one of the greatest conversations I've had on Motivational Mondays. And I've been doing this for over a year now. When I say great, I mean that, you know, very substantively, I, it, you know, it's, it's got depth, right? We are actually sharing personal anecdotes and stories. I think that is really what we should be doing as, as humans. So I really, really thank you for that, Tommy. And, and uh, my, my final question for you today would be, and it's, we've covered a lot and there's so much that we didn't talk about, but if you could whittle down like just one takeaway, if you told someone, Hey, there's one key, one bit of advice I would give you to keep with you in life. What do you think that advice would be? I, I'm not a tattoo guy. I love tattoos. Actually. I just can't get them because I'm so afraid of needles. <laughs> but if I got a tattoo, I know what it'd be. I, I'd have just written across my chest four words. It's not about you. Mm. The four most important words of leadership. The four most important words about being a great parent, being a great, you know, spouse, great leader, right? It's not about you. We have a whole world out there that 90% of the world's out. It's all about me. It's all about me. But if you can shift your heart, it's not about you. It's about others and live a life truly in that space. Your business is going to be incredibly successful. Your marriages are like my grandparents were married for, for, for 56 years, right? Mm -hmm. Like get that, you get to hang out with your kids forever because they, they want to hang out with you because they love you. You got employees that will never leave you. You got customers that says, you got my lifelong business, pal. If you, everything, you can have all this, but you gotta, you gotta tattoo your heart to say, it's not about you. Words of wisdom. 
And uh, yeah, I, and I happen to like tattoos, so I might consider that one for my next one. Ooh, um, that's nice. <laughs> there's a lot of ink, though, across the whole chest. But, you know, I'll let you know how that, how that turns out. But Tommy, thank you so much again for being here today. Tommy Spaulding, uh, we really appreciate you sharing so much of your personal uh, anecdotes and your experiences here with us on Motivational Mondays. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Motivational Mondays presented by the National Society of Leadership and Success and available wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. I'm Corey Andrew Powell, and I'll see you again here next week.